Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for The Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. There is no part of what we do that you can rush. You have to be very patient, and when you mess up, uh, you have to be able to say, I've got tomorrow. And croissant dough takes three days, so when you've messed up croissant dough, you've just got to give time time. I'm Robin Sessingham, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and southern charm, The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Hey, if you're listening on your computer or you clicked a link from social media, thank you for listening. We're glad you're here and would love for you to subscribe. It's absolutely free. And that way, each episode will download automatically to your phone or mobile device. Go to thezestpodcast.com and click on how to listen to a podcast. We're continuing our special coverage of honeybees. It's a special reporting collaboration with WUSF News. Come with us to a wildly popular bakery in Lakeland that loves to use honey in their pastries and take a tour of a Florida bee farm. Support for the Zest podcast comes from Seitenbacher brand natural foods like muesli cereals, oils, oatmeal, energy bars, gluten-free fruit gummies for the kids, organic coffee, and more. Available in supermarkets, health food stores, or online at seitenbacher.com. Jennifer Smur was looking for a change from the fashion industry when she decided to study the art of baking bread. After an apprenticeship with Miami's Zach the Baker, in 2015, Jennifer started selling at a local farmer's market, selling out before the market even opened. Today, she runs Lakeland's Born and Bread Bakehouse, which has become a well-known destination for Florida foodies. The bakery is open only twice a week, and crowds regularly line up around the block. The bakery's best advertising just might be its Instagram account, at Born and Bread FL, where more than 50,000 followers salivate over photos of her breads, pastries, savory breakfast sandwiches, and more. Many of Born and Bread's recipes use local honey, as she explained to the Zest producer, Dalia Colon. I love bread. I feel like it's my favorite food group. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like bread gets the respect it deserves? I mean, it's free in a basket on a sure. restaurant table, you know? I think that's difficult. I think it's uh, education is so important as we think about the way that food culture should, should or could change in the United States compared to what you see maybe in, in other countries. And so when I think about bread, it's the same. It is the most shared food in any culture. Every single culture has bread and something that is unique to them. What I find in America is growing up on a Wonder Bread or what is in any basket at a restaurant, or most restaurants anyway, has kind of uh, steered us away from appreciating not only the art, but the benefits of the, the health that bread could give us. So taking a bread like what we have, it's slowly fermented. It's fully reliant on what I call the mother, um, also a leaven. It's a sourdough culture. 
it's only fed off of the yeast and natural environment that is here in our bakery or in the air and the humidity. The same way that you can find yeast on grapes or fruit or it survives in grains as well. And so we try to take and strip down what they think bread is to three ingredients. And how do I do this with three ingredients? How do I just take flour, water, and salt, create a culture from the flour and water, and slowly ferment our dough? And it takes days to make our dough. So like 30-something hours in total from mix and creating the, uh, the mother for that specific bread. And so this creates almost like what yogurt is beneficial to our gut with having that bacteria and the flora. It does the same thing with sourdough bread. It slows down, it has bacteria, it breaks down the gluten, which has got such a bad name these days, but it's a beautiful thing when used properly. Um, and it allows you to enjoy bread and your body to enjoy bread better. So you don't leave after having maybe the type of bread that we're making feeling, oh my gosh, I just can't eat another thing. Like, I don't know why, I feel really great. Mm, really good points, and I love the idea of not needing a nap after you enjoy some bread. You're right, every culture has bread. I mean, last night my kids were asking me for naan for dinner, which is so, it's, it's so accessible to eat because it's familiar, it's bread, it's doughy. But at the same time, when we think about baking bread, that can feel really intimidating. So why is that? What are we, what are we doing wrong? I think, you know, having a, a culture or society where everything is readily available is maybe the first part of how do we simplify life again? How do I make time for something that could be enjoyable or that could be a benefit to not only me, but my time, my mental health? And so if you slow down just a little bit in life sometimes, and maybe it's standing in line for your favorite bakery. <laughs> um, maybe it is uh, going over to your mom's house in the afternoon. It's, we don't feel as if we can slow down as much to have hobbies like baking bread. And when we think about just being accessible and thinking about bee month, it's really important for people to realize just about the importance of what bees provide for our culture from a standpoint of everything can't be readily available. And if we don't protect the society of bees or what they're producing and value honey and their life more, there's such an important part of what we think about not only our livelihood, but the food culture in the United States and beyond that revolve around these bees and revolve around slowing down and respecting things a little bit more. And I think that can only come from education. Let's talk about the role that bees and honey play at Born and Bread. Tell me about some of your products that use honey. We think of sugar when it comes to baking, but there's a lot you can do with honey. So, so talk to me about some of the products you guys um, are making here today. We use it as much as we can in breads. Uh, I love dressing something with honey, bringing out a flavor that you wouldn't necessarily uh, think about with that ingredient alone. Taking orange blossom and then putting some cardamom pods, uh, orange zest, a cinnamon stick, a little bit of lemon juice and making this incredible syrup that you're like, I don't know why I've had honey before. I've had vanilla bean pastry cream, but having these things together is like, it's just like a party in my mouth. And so it's really fun utilizing it in different ways. We're making and testing pies for the Thanksgiving uh, bakes that we have coming up. And yesterday we made this chocolate and pecan honey pie. And so it's like chocolate ganache base at the bottom. And then instead of using high fructose corn syrup or corn syrup of any, any sort, which we don't use in the bakery, uh, we took honey and replaced that. And the flavor of the chocolate and the honey together and even just the texture of the pecan pie layered on top of this ganache, like I'm really helpful that this makes our menu. Oh, it's a party in your mouth. Your How mouth. can you even work here? Yeah. Do you work out? 
people ask this question often like what in the world you're all skinny or you're all fit what do you how do you do this and they don't think they realize just how different this type of baking is from maybe that that norm that we think about with like cupcakes or cakes um it is very labor intense it's long hours on your feet heavy lifting bending down picking up bins with 50 pounds of uh, flour or dough so it's it's very labor intense you stay busy well this is why people line up around the block on the weekend because you've done all the hard work and then we get to reap the benefits. Um, what's your favorite type of honey to bake with and where do you all get the honey? So we have a couple of different local purveyors that we use. Um, they're smaller, so one's Miss Honeybee and then the other one is like the grandparent of one of the girls who work here. Um, both established businesses, both that we trust. Um, often we're getting the uh, orange blossom variety because that's very uh, familiar in this area. Um, but my personal favorite honey might be buckwheat. It's made from honey bees that are, are living off of the buckwheat plant. And it creates this very dark amber colored honey. It's very rich. It's not for everyone. But this like cameled flavor that comes with it and this depth of earthiness is so unique that I think it's, it's, so it's fun for someone to try it. You're here in Lakeland, which is a mid-sized town. I was just looking online and Food & Wine featured you as a must-visit bread bakery. I mean, you've got lines around the block every weekend. Why are you passionate about being here in Lakeland? Why not move to Miami or Tampa or, you know, Bright Lights Big City? You know, I, I thought about for about five years of my life leaving. And there's something about Lakeland that just became magnetic. And when you think about doing something like baking, if we're looking at any town being more of a village, everyone needs a good bakery. And Lakeland was missing that. And it just became this, I can't leave. It's, if you think about what makes any city great, it's the people. And the people here are just so special. And it's in a great location between Orlando and Tampa. But Lakeland, it's gonna, I think it'll surprise people in the next five years and the amount of people who are moving here and what people are willing to do and just the overall entrepreneurship and the way that the city promotes and supports people like me. Uh, it's a great city to be in. Definitely. Robin will appreciate you saying that because she's a Lakeland girl. I bet a lot of people find you on Instagram. I can feel my clothes getting tighter when I just look at your Instagram pictures. They are gorgeous. They are mouth-watering. Talk to me about the role that social media has played in your business. I mean, baking bread is as old as time, sure. but now there's this new technology that's kind of getting the word out. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that Born & Bread um, has done well is created an experience for any customer who comes here. And so thinking about standing in line, it goes by very quick. If you've never stood in it, I promise, especially these days, it's not that bad. To coming in and the smell and the way that we've chosen to decorate the space, the way the music that we have, and just how approachable and homey and welcoming it feels. It's almost an instant community. And with social media, I think that what we do is take the best of what we have, which is what everyone does on social media. We have hard days, but that's our best. Um, and we allow someone to know what it would be like to experience what a Saturday or a Wednesday would be like. And there's something that draws someone in. I don't know. Social media is, I think, for Born and Bred is the biggest reason why we're we're able to do what we do. It gets the name out. It's why people drive from Miami and say, I just came all the way from Miami. But I, I contribute a lot to social media and I resent it at times. I wish I could get off of it. Um, but it is a great tool for small businesses that I really appreciate.
What's a lesson that baking has taught you that you can apply to other areas of your life? As, as cheesy as it sounds, maybe just giving time time. There is no part of what we do that you can rush. You have to be very patient. And when you mess up, uh, you have to be able to say, I've got tomorrow. And croissant dough takes three days. So when you've messed up croissant dough, you've just got to give time time. Okay, well, thank you for giving us your time. What's going on in the kitchen today, honey-wise? Uh, we've got the honey lemon pie, which is a staple. Two years ago when we first teamed up with the National Honey Board, we created this, and now it's been on the menu every single week since. Uh, it's got a twice-baked croissant base. So basically what we do is we take a stale croissant. I don't really love using that term because it sounds der like derogatory, or maybe if, if it heard it, me say that, it'd be like, don't talk about me like that. Um, but we do take a croissant that's about a day old. It allows it to dry a little bit. We syrup it with an infused honey syrup that uses orange, cardamom, and cinnamon. Those flavors aren't predominant, so if you don't like one of those, I wouldn't recommend you don't eat this. Always give it a try. So it's got a honey syrup uh, using orange blossom. We've got an almond frangipane, which is technically an almond cream. We take uh, ground almonds, and then we make it from scratch. Nothing comes out of a can. Uh, so if you've ever had canned almond cream, it's definitely not that cherry flavor. It's very natural. It tastes like almonds but even then somehow not. Um, so almond cream, we make a house-made lemon curd. Uh, we close it with the lid of the croissant. So this croissant's been kind of sliced in half, um, all of the filling being inside. We put a little bit more almond cream only to hold like a pie crumble on top. And so it's called honey lemon pie. It's baked again, leaving it very like crispy, uh, flaky on the drier sense of um, the texture of the croissant not being super soft and flaky. It's like a little bit, it's really amazing. I think you just have to have it. I think I just have to have it yeah. too. I can't yeah. sit here and listen to you talk about it anymore. Should we go in the kitchen and give it a taste? Okay. Sorry, please don't burn yourself. Oh, uh, it'd be hard to <laughs> I have no feeling left in my body. Oh, I'm sure. The honey lemon pie twice baked croissant yeah. is out of the oven, smelling so good. And now you're dusting it with a little bit of powdered sugar? Just a tiny bit, mainly for the look of it. It's perfect. It's perfection. It's got the golden brown crust, the crumble. It's pretty beautiful. It's like begging to be eaten. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I am willing to oblige. All right, let's dig into this. All right. Just you, pick up the whole thing. Do you want me to slice it? Uh, sure, that sounds civilized. Yeah. Okay, we got to taste this. Okay, you ready? Cheers. Oh, cheers? Okay. Boom. Oh wow. my god. Mm. They did, they did something right. Mm -hmm. That's this true. is your recipe, right? You did something right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so flaky. It's so flaky. Wow. A croissant on its own is great. And then the rest is just gravy. I mean. Wow. You see what I mean by the almond cream though? Yes. It's, uh, it's something so, it, you're not eating it saying, oh, that's definitely almond. Like, what is that texture? Mm -hmm. It's like kind of nutty, but it's not, what is it? It's, it's like mild. It's mild, it's mm -hmm. sweet, but not too sweet. Like it's I can really taste tiny. the honey yeah. and I can taste the lemon, mm -hmm. but they're not overwhelming. The Nothing croissant is like, hey, I'm here. Yes. I'm still great. Don't forget about sure me. Yeah, if there was a Mariah Carey in this picture, it's definitely the croissant. Yeah, the croissant is like the Mariah Carey. <laughs> the crumble on top is <laughs> yeah. Ariana Grande, maybe? Yeah. Sure, if we're going for pop stars. <laughs> I feel like Michael McDonald needs to be in here. Michael McDonald, <laughs> we're going old school. Okay, and the lemon cream is... Uh, who's kind of tart, but, but subtle? Subtle, but tart. Yeah, who would that be? Uh, Adele? 
Oh, maybe. I don't know. The lemon cream is like the Adele of this. Yeah. Then what does that make you? Oh, you're no. like, you're the Beyonce of Lakeland. <laughs> I'll take it. That was Jennifer Smur speaking with Dalia Cologne. Jennifer also shared a honey pastry recipe that you can try at home. Find Born and Bread's recipe for baklava croissants on our website, thezestpodcast.com. Next, put on your beekeeper suit and come see what's involved in maintaining a thriving apiary. The Zest contributor, Tracy Johnson, visited Florida Bee Farm in Clearwater, where the owner, Jim Quinlan, is running what he calls a mini eco farm. On his 10 acres in the heart of a residential subdivision, Jim keeps around a dozen hives. He also grows bee-friendly flowers, and he sells jars of his honey on the honor system. Tracy says there were so many bees landing on her suit at one point, it felt like she was standing in a rainstorm. You know, every time something touches me, I'm going to be jumping. <laughs> oh, oh, don't worry about it. Don't jump, though. Be calm and okay. relax. That's the best thing to do. So they can get in and out of there as much as they want. The bees aren't stuck in the boxes? No, they're not stuck in the boxes. They can get in So they out. can just come and go? Right. Okay. And when it's real hot out, you'll see them. Um, they've been doing a lot of it lately. You'll see a big ball of them underneath because they don't want to have too much inside that makes it too hot. Oh, okay. Because they, they control the temperature, flapping their wings inside the hive. What a brilliant creature. It is. I mean, they normally won't even bother you. But see, that's their flight path there. You don't want to get in their way of their flight path. Mm-hmm. And if you, you can't see them too good, but sometimes when the sun's just right, you can see it looks like a super highway of bees going back and forth. That's an, the bee super highway. And if you get, that's when you funny. get suited up, you could get right up next to them. And you can see all their, um, on their legs, they have these like little bags that they store pollen in. And they're different colors depending on what they've been gathering. It looks so cool. But it's, you know, I have a lot of people come out, you know, on these tours and stuff. And they're pretty nervous. And I just talk to them. And once you get the suit on, you're totally protected. Yeah. And, and, they're, and if, you, if you're gentle with the bees, they don't bother you. They're actually just a joy to watch. When the bees get ready to uh, swarm... Mm-hmm. What they'll do is they'll make a bunch of new queens, Mm -hmm. which is kind of cool, and these little queen cells are there. And when they hatch, they will fight to the death until you have, sometimes, I mean, there's no absolutes. It's usually two queens, but sometimes they'll leave two or three of them. Right. And and they they will swarm off with half the hive or whatever. Sometimes I've seen two or three of them. So the bees will check all that out and then they'll go back to the hive and tell the other scouts how to get there and what they think of it. They vote basically with the intensity of this dance they do. That The dance tells them how to get to the hive based on the sun, you know, and the sun's always changing and right. it, it's really complicated. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. So the other scout bees will check out that one and then they'll vote you know, what they think of it. And and so they all basically go around and check out all the different ones that they found. And they kind of vote and come up with a consensus of what's best for the hive based on what they really think is the best hive. It's it's just fascinating. Eventually they're all doing the same dance and then they, 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 they pick up and go. And then that big cloud I was telling you about yeah. of bees, it's cool as heck to be part of. So it is a bee democracy. Yeah, it is a democracy. Yeah. That's what I like about the bees. They're just, they're 
they're very intelligent. I think they're smarter than a lot of people give them credit for. They know, they know a lot, and the communication too. They also tell the other bees how to get to the pollen sources and mm -hmm. nectar, and uh, this waggle dance is pretty interesting. So, what's the job of the queen? Laying eggs. And That's is she it. the only one laying eggs? Mm -hmm. so yep. there, but there are other female bees. Right. They they don't lay eggs. Uh, it's not that they can't. Uh, if the queen dies, sometimes they will, and that's a bad situation because a regular worker bee, if they they call them laying workers, if mm -hmm. that happens, the only thing they can lay is male drones, and the hive will end up dying. But um, that doesn't happen often. Mm -hmm. And that's all they. I mean, they just will constantly do it. They don't like fill it up and say, "Okay, we're done. We got this all filled. Let's yeah. sit around and." enjoy life they'll just keep packing it in they will so you take honey from them they'll just refill it it's not a big deal to them okay um so they don't get angry when you take the honey yeah they do oh they do okay they're not too happy about it because you know? <laughs> you're because you're in their home they're right. defending it you know yeah but um but they're all all the honey's a little bit different you know every even my honey it'll, sometimes i'll have dark honey sometimes i'll have light honey depending mm -hmm. on what's blooming at the time and what's in the cells mm -hmm. I'll show you. I'll pull one out and we can look at it. Oh, wow. Look at that. Yeah, that's all, honey. So wow. basically, I would wait until this is all full up here, you know. Okay. And then you take a hot knife and mm -hmm. you and you like basically cut the edges of the... So it's all exposed, okay. all the honey. And do you take all the bees off of it first? Right. You, okay. uh, you, you blow them all off. What okay. I do is I use a blower. Okay. It's pretty natural. Yeah. And then I put them in a box mm -hmm. and we take them, take them to where we do the... Uh, extraction yeah take the cappings off the honey mm -hmm. and then we put them in a machine that uh with a, it's like a centrifuge and it okay. like spins them spins them spins them, and all the honey comes out and uh basically when you're done you just bring it back to the hive and they're still like wet with honey and you put it back on so it, you so the honey that comes off in the centrifuge is what gets jarred mm -hmm. And is there any filtration process, or is it just straight from it's, yeah, the it's, centrifuge to a jar to your house? It's it's filtered, but not. I mean, it's gently filtered, like through a screen. Oh, okay. Because just you don't to get out small pieces. Yeah, you don't want to. Uh, I mean, you'll get like pieces of bee and stuff, you yeah. know, and Got stuff. It. So it's just a screening process. Yeah. How much? How much is honey? Is it very expensive? I, I sell it for twelve dollars a pound. You can get it cheaper at farmers markets and stuff, right. but, but depending on where they get their honey from. Mm -hmm. And so, how is this different from? See, see them all eating? Oh, yeah. See them eating the honey? Yeah, they are eating the honey. This is the brood box. Oh, yeah, it is. This is hopefully, you know, where they lay the eggs. They're getting a little bit agitated, so I'll just mm -hmm. let you know. It's, you might be able to see a bee being born if you look. There's a couple right there. As soon as they're born, they clean the cells out. And uh, they have different jobs that they alternate throughout life. A little bit of honey on there. And this is all eggs and brood. Wow. This is, these are male bees. The, the drones are a little bigger. And let's see what we got on this side. Let's see if you can see the queen.
That was Jim Quinlan of Florida Bee Farm with the Zest contributor Tracy Johnson. Tracy's blog is called Tracy in Sunshine City. We have video of the bee farm and more honeybee stories at WUSF.org slash honeybees. That's it for today. Last week, I had one of my most favorite interviews. I spoke to Dr. Jamie Ellis of the University of Florida, who's director of UF's Honeybee Research. If you missed it, go listen. You can find past stories, photos, and lots of recipes at our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Robin Sussingham. Valia Cologne and I produce The Zest with help from Megan Trimble, Mark Hayes, and Craig George. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media. Mm-hmm.